Eternal Health, episode number 33. You're listening to the Eternal Health Podcast, where we discuss God's great design for your life in body, mind, and spirit. Your host is Laura Rimmer, who's a nutritionist, author, speaker, and health coach. Looking for yoga tips or the latest protein shake recommendations? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. If you're ready for no-nonsense, multi-layered health expertise, drawing on evidence-based nutrition and biblical principles, welcome to Eternal Health. For show notes and to download your free 5-minute Optimum Health Scorecard, please visit laurarimmer.com. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Eternal Health Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Rimmer. If you're new to this podcast, then an extra special welcome. We're on episode 33 today and we're talking all things productivity and time management. And I've got a really wonderful guest on today. He's called Demir Bentley and we're talking about his fast time management and productivity formula. And you might think, what's that got to do with health? Well, in case you didn't realize, and I'm sure you do, (laughs) obviously the way we conduct our day, the way we spend our time, the way we manage our work and productivity really affects our stress levels, our hormones, our ability to make the right food choices and whether we've got energy to exercise or not. So yeah, absolutely. The way we use our time and the way we manage our time and our work and our productivity definitely has a knock-on effect onto our health and vice versa as well. The state of our health affects our productivity. So we've got a literally a world-class expert on time management. He calls it time mastery because he's really mastered this. And and I'll let him explain his story because he wasn't always good at mastering time, as many of us aren't, especially for me as an entrepreneur. I, do, I find it difficult if I'm not on top of this stuff and, um, and putting in place some of these things that Demir is going to talk about because I've known Demir for about a year now and he's really helped me. He's coached me in some of these areas. So Yeah, I thought it'd be great to have him on and for him to speak to you guys about some of this stuff as well. So I will give his introduction and then I will speak to you at the end of the show as well. So Demir Bentley is co-founder of Lifehack Bootcamp with his wife, Carrie, And this is a productivity and lifestyle design company for high performing individuals who want to bring sanity back into their lives. They're known for their plain speaking, no excuses, coaching style and passion for creating huge transformation in each of their clients. They're also known for leading by example and constantly pushing the boundaries of lifestyle design, traveling around the world and experimenting with different ways of living. Demir and Kerry are members of the elite Forbes Coaches Council and Influensive Top 25 Influencers. Their work has been featured in Forbes, Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal, Huffington Post and on podcasts like the Forbes 30 Under 30 and Amy Porterfield's Online Marketing Made Easy. Demir and Kerry live a nomadic lifestyle, living up to three months at a time in cities around the globe. So let's get started with today's podcast, which is about the fast time management and productivity formula with Demir Bentley. So welcome along everyone. I'm here today with Demir Bentley. Um, Demir and his wife Carrie um, run lifehackbootcamp.com and I first came across Demir's work probably about a year ago so they're very much focused on 
time mastery and productivity and as a business owner that was of, of real um, interest to me so I think I first heard Carrie on um, Amy Porterfield's podcast and uh, just loved what she had to say so I immediately went onto their website and downloaded some of their trainings and and have subsequently joined one of um, Demir and Carrie's courses so I would love to um, for Demir to share some of his um, yeah just awesome knowledge and trainings on such an important topic that that all of us have to face every day don't we how do we use the 24 hours that each of us gets it's it's the great leveler isn't it we can have more money (laughs) we can have more energy and I'm a big advocate of you know eating well to have more energy but we all have just those 24 hours don't we Demir so yeah so um, absolutely so yeah Demir welcome to um the eternal health podcast and it's so great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And Demir, just tell us, how did you get into this field of work? What What's your and Carrie's background? Yeah, it's it's a good question because it's not like you can really like have your grandfather and father, you know, be in productivity work and then you inherit the family business. No, this is this is something you really can't quite go to school for. Um, you know, I think what's really interesting that people are surprised to hear all the time is that um, I was I was just legendarily bad with my productivity growing up, and 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 I am really not one of those people who sort of came out of the womb, you know, organizing my sock drawer, as it were. You know, my wife actually is quite like that. My wife has different productivity problems. I would say that she's maybe an overworker, right? Um, and but for me, you know, it, my problem had always been just a massive distraction. I don't know if you can relate to that. Like to me, like I get distracted so easily. Um, I'm the kind of person that when like multiple things are happening, I get confused really easily. My IQ goes down really far. I can't really remember things. Talk about like all of the things that your brain's supposed to do to really work in an office, like remember dates and like priorities and be able to juggle things in your head. My brain has zero capability of doing. Um, so my mom, her favorite thing in the world is like laughing, cackling to her friends about, <laughs> that she cannot believe her most disorganized son is a productivity coach. <laughs> but, um, but you know what's funny is the truth is it is a learned skill. And even the best of us, even like the most organized people really find an ed- their own edge. We all find our own edge in this modern society. Really, there, there, there really is in knowledge work no such thing as being done with your work, is there? There's always more to do. And so, no, so the weird thing about people like us, and when I say us, I don't know if I include you, but I'll speak for those people out there who are nodding their head and saying, yeah, that's me. I'm so distracted, is we just, ha- we just get to that edge sooner. And we realize that, hey, in this world, in this knowledge world, we need systems. We need ways of working. We need disciplines or we're not going to make it. <laughs> so so I just got to that place a lot sooner. I think I was there in like end of high school, early college, whereas a lot of people are getting there in their 30s or 40s or 50s. And I just got there a lot sooner and I developed a passion. And so, you know, if I could just say one more thing to really help people understand, like, what's my flavor of ice cream? You know, who is this guy? You know, m- m- what I'm standing on the rooftop screaming to my fellow disorganized people is it is a learned skill you you can you can master productivity it isn't hard and in fact everything becomes easy the moment you step that everything becomes easy. the the day the moment the hour that you get more productive it doesn't cost money it saves you money it doesn't it doesn't burn time and energy and make you more exhausted. It gives you time and energy, right? And so I'm just trying to tell people out there, like, you know, <laughs> it's, I, always, I always see people come to me and they say, Demir, my life is so hard. I just don't have one more speck of energy. 
to get organized. And I said, no, but that's where things are going to get better. Mm. So that's my, that's sort of, you know, my passion and how I got into this. Mm, I love that because yeah, I can totally relate as a, as someone who works from home, I pick my own schedule. I can totally relate to if we're not careful, it can be just this a week can seem just like this endless sea of, well, without any parameters, without any boundaries. And, and you know, I've been in business 10 years and it's taken me a long time to even put in place some of the things that, that you and Carrie talk about. Um, so, yeah, when I found your work, I was like, this is awesome. You've got some, you're really, what I love is that you're so got such concrete things and that you make them fun as well and they're simple yeah so yeah so tell us what's your approach then to time mastery and productivity what how yeah how do you approach that yeah yeah i mean so i'll start very very high level you know the, the highest level is I really believe, you almost alluded to it yourself, I really believe the tools have to be simple, right? If life is complicated, our tools can't be complicated, our solutions can't be complicated, our solutions have to be simple. And simple tools are easy to learn, they're easy to master. When you get stressed out and overwhelmed, you'll reach for a simple tool because you know how to use it. And so um, I have some really amazingly simplistic tools that I teach to kids. Mm -hmm. I teach those same exact tools to executives at Facebook and Google Mm -hmm. and Uber. And so, you know, it's really not about overcomplicating it. And almost like as a partner concept to that is that, you know, this whole thing, this life thing, this business thing, it doesn't have to suck. Mm -hmm. Like we could actually have ease and effortlessness and flow. And so one of the things that, that one of the sort of leap motifs that runs through all of our trainings is what would this look like? This meaning whatever you're going through, this Skype interview, this day, this hour, this project, what would it look like if it were easy? Mm. And, and, and a big thing for us is bringing back fun, bringing back ease and effortlessness and flow so that people can, you know, not necessarily even be doing less. I, I, I'm surprised to find that people, some people want to do less. But a lot of people actually want to do more. They just want to get the fun back. They want to get the ease and effortlessness back. Mm-hmm. Do you find then that when when you start bringing in ease, effortlessness, um, and fun, that that the natural outworking of that is more productivity? Then, so here's the thing, and and, and this isn't proven yet, but it's there's a lot of indications that this is true, and a lot of common sense. The brain does have a productivity mechanism, and it's called fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So, so, so the funny thing is, the number one thing that we banish from school, the number one thing we banish from workplace, from our businesses, from our projects, is fun. If you see somebody having too much fun, you're almost like, calm down over there. <laughs> Stop having so much fun. Mm-hmm. We're at work now, right? We're in serious adult mode. But when you see you know, little puppies or, or wolf pups, yeah. and you see, how do they learn? They play, right? Even even children, as children are growing up, there's this natural play instinct. And so play and fun is our brain's natural way of enticing us to learn, enticing us to work and exercise, right? And the, the problem is in our culture, we've, we've thoroughly banished fun and ease and effortlessness mm-hmm. and, and engagement from our process and we genuinely believe that it doesn't have a place. And so when it's when a guy like me comes comes in and I say, okay, let's bring the fun back in, yeah. people genuinely have a hard time in the beginning 
trying to cognate because their brain has associated fun as being something they can't do mm -hmm. at work or ease as something they can't experience at work. They can't have giggles and laughter. And so when we bring that back in, people people need a second to, to process that. Oh, yeah. wow, work can be fun. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how how do we begin that process then? So say, I don't know, just say we look at our day and we saw, see all these things that need to get done and and it can sometimes seem daunting or that there's not going to be enough hours or that maybe sometimes it is just a task that we just genuinely don't enjoy doing. How, what are some ways that we can start injecting that fun? If I may, I'm going to back up a second. Yeah. I don't want to make it seem as if um, getting better at productivity is something that, that boy, you could just snap your fingers and everything should be great because that would make people out there listen and be like, well, I've been trying and I read some books and I, I, I did some things and I tried to master some technologies and it was really hard. The truth is, is this is a skill like any other. Mm -hmm. It really is, right? I don't know, you know, crocheting, uh, you know, any, any skill in life, mm -hmm. uh, parenting, being in a marriage, right? That anything in life, the truth is, is if you put just a tiny bit of effort into being good at the thing, mm -hmm. the thing becomes much more enjoyable. And can we just sort of start there yeah. and say that whatever it is, parenting, if you if you take a parenting class or read some parenting books or, you know, uh, go to a parenting group, parenting, if you invest even a modicum of time in getting better at parenting, the process of being a parent becomes a little bit more enjoyable. Could we agree on that? Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. And so, so what's interesting is, ironically, when I look at people, People don't think they need to invest any time in getting better at working to make working more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And and this is sort of like a message is it's it, it, I'm not even talking about years and going back to grad school for productivity. No, there's no such thing. I'm talking about minutes of the day, right? A couple hours out of the week. So that you have a bit of mastery, so that you can get some of that enjoyment back. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes, it does. Yes. So with that in mind, then, because I'm um, I'm in your course, the fast um, time management course. What a you've got a framework, haven't you? Can you yeah. talk us through that? What, what yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the reason I set up this idea of like making a small investment in your productivity in order to actually enjoy it more, enjoy work more, this is this is sort of what you're in, right? So you're in our fast time mastery course. Yeah. You know, let me tell you about the framework really quickly. So we, you know, sometimes you can master something and you don't really know how you did it. And this is sort of what happened with my wife and I is we we both were working in New York. Um, we got we got critically ill with stress related work related illnesses. And I think in the UK, I, I can't remember, it's almost like 60 percent of where the working population has a work related stress related illness of some wow. sort of some magnitude. It's like an incredible number. I, I'm, don't quote me exactly because my wife knows that number, but okay. it's it's really high. Um and we were exactly there. We were those New York City overworking, mm -hmm. the uh, New York City overworking couple, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, when we finally got to a point where our doctor said, you can't work like this anymore, you're going to die early, or you're going to have like, you know, cr critical surgeries. Um, we, we really threw ourselves into the, like, how do we master this thing called time? How do we work more efficiently? Because we genuinely couldn't work more than 40 hours a week. It was, it was cut off. Right. Um, and, and so what's interesting is we threw ourselves after years, threw ourselves into personal development and learning 
skills and techniques, and then we mastered it. And we looked back and we sort of said, we were trying to teach other people, and we really couldn't. We were like, what is it that we're doing that they're not doing? Mm -hmm. And so we finally realized one critical observation, and I would love people out there to just sort of jot it down, which is that time management isn't one thing. Okay. Time management isn't one thing. It's actually four things. But sometimes in life, you know, it's almost like a like an alloy. When mm-hmm. when metals are combined into a different metal, it looks like one thing. It looks like you know aluminium or something like that. But it's actually Strong. a combination of different things. Yeah. And and the seams are so so seamless that you can't really you can't really see anything. Mm-hmm. And so I would suggest to you this: that time management, which we suggest that we sort of imply is one skill yeah. is actually four skills C- sort of clicking together almost like a little four cylinder engine of a little uh, you know cinquecento like italian yeah. car mm-hmm. you know that little four cylinders of an engine that are popping so seamlessly together that they're moving the car forward and so a lot of times what can happen Laura is you'll see somebody who's got three out of those four skills i'm going to go through them in a second right now yeah. but they've got three out of the four and they're doing really great and they're missing one, and the whole car isn't moving, and they're really kicking themselves. They're really sort of like shaking their fist at God, like, what is wrong? I'm reading the books. I'm doing I'm doing the thing, mm-hmm. and it's not working. So what I'd love to do, if you want to, Laura, is I'd love to go through that four, the four pistons of that engine and allow people to sort of like maybe take a note or, or, or think about it, have a think on it, and decide like, hey, which of these maybe are, is the piston that's not firing so that I can actually work on that and get my engine moving forward. Does that make sense? That sounds great. And it's, as you were saying that, I love that analogy because um, when you mention alloy, an alloy, if, if I'm thinking right, the, the combination actually makes it stronger as well. So that's a, a great yeah. analogy. Or like a lock where, like you say, you <coughs> three out of the four going, why why isn't this thing opening here? What's Because obviously if you're putting three out of the four things in place, there's going to be effort, there's going to be, um, you're doing something, right? So to get that, you're not getting the results you want with, yeah, I, I would love for you to talk through that domain. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so well, the, we call it the FAST model because each of those four pistons has sort of like a, a name or an acronym. So it's FAST, Focus, Attitude, Stamina, and Time. I'm going to repeat it one more time. F-A-S-T, Focus, Attitude, stamina and time you can think about those as quadrants right so if you start in the top left quadrant right with focus so focus is interesting because focus is the is a, there's actually a great book and i i know you you and i had talked to, about this concept of deep work mm. so yeah. i think the best book the best productivity book of 2017 was a book called deep work by totally. an author named cal newport and a mate did you read it i love it i've read it several times um, it's, love it. it yeah me too it, I mean, it's, it really is one of those productivity bibles where yeah. sometimes i'll be like oh do i want to read a new book on productivity or do i just want to go back and reread <laughs> deep again. work and I, I just keep going back and rereading deep work because it's that good it's it's yeah. like you can you can get different things out of it so anyways you know cal newport made the suggestion that actually in in this era What's more important, even than intelligence, is the ability to focus. Mm-hmm. He calls this the era of distraction, right? So we, we live in a world where the, the very nature, the very fabric of our world, and the very nature of knowledge work is distracting in and of itself. But to make matters even worse, we have all of the geniuses down at Apple and Facebook and Google actually actively trying to get us to pick up our phone or jump onto Facebook or all of the news companies are trying to get us to click onto an article, right? So we, we're living in the distraction generation mm-hmm. and we're actually starting to experience something called 
digital dementia. Mm. You can definitely if, mm. if you're out there and 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 you're wondering, oh, what is that? Write that down. Digital dementia is where people are actually experiencing. Sorry, I'm getting something on my screen. My bad. Okay. Yeah, people are actually experiencing the results of dementia, but they're not actually old. Hmm. And it's reversible, so it's not permanent. But what's happening is that when you get overwhelmed and distracted and there's too much on your mind and, and things are happening at once, your intelligence goes down. You get irritable. Your memory gets bad. You, you get frustrated very easily. You have a real difficult time doing higher-level cognitive tasks, right? So, hmm. so a lot of people – and I'm I'm one of those who was I was right at the tail end of remembering what it was like to not have cell phones and to not have Facebook, right? I mean, I I grew up in that world, and now I'm living in this new world. A lot of us can remember, uh, you know, times in the in the past when we would sit down and and read for an entire day yeah. or work on a project for you know for for days and days at a time without distraction. And now that seems like this weird memory, mm-hmm. and because we, we live in this world now where everything seems are periods of time seem so small and we feel so distracted and we can even have the sensation and I've had this where it's like what has happened to my brain like Mm -hmm. I feel Mm -hmm. like something has happened to me have you ever gotten this Laura where you look at yourself and you're like I used to be better than this yeah yeah I remember at school because I similar to you I yeah when I was at university that's when mobile phones first came in cell phones but I remember at school just revising for exams for hours and hours and and latterly it's felt at times if I'm not yeah if I let this stuff slip that, that you're talking about it feels like I can only focus for a few minutes what's wrong with me I I have this reaction to if I get into a difficult situation that requires my brain when I'm writing my natural reaction if I'm not careful is I'll just check Facebook I'll just check yeah. my inbox as a quick out do you know what I mean so yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely and we've got this built in this is why we, we're called the distraction generation and and I wish I could say that only these only these poor millennials are are subject to this, but no, not at all, right? I mean, it really ma- doesn't matter at all what age you are. If you're engaged in the digital world, mm-hmm. you're experiencing this digital dementia. Yeah. So here's really, really good news. The really good news is uh, I've actually taken clients and changed their environment, and within 48 hours, they're feeling back to where they were at in college, right? I mean, it was yeah. rapid rapid regression back to your brain because your brain isn't broken and it hasn't been damaged what what's happened is you the second that you remove these distractions the second that you remove yourself from this distracting environment your brain goes back to the way that it has always been now I'm not suggesting that maybe if you hadn't been locked away in like a physics department for the last 20 years that you wouldn't have improved there is such a thing as even improving on the baseline performance of your brain's ability to say focus mm-hmm. and your brain's ability to work but but getting back to baseline happens actually rather rapidly and so i want to i really want to send people out there that that not only a is focus a critical component of your time mastery but but b that focus is something that is available to you at every moment Right, mm-hmm. that focus isn't a function. You know, people are white knuckling. They feel like they have to grit their teeth and clench their fists in order to get their focus back. But the great news that I have for everybody who's listening is that you can fall into focus. Just mm-hmm. remove the distractions, and the focus will just naturally come back. And and that's great because because that that gritting and clenching your teeth that's actually expending a lot of unnecessary energy. You don't need that. Yeah. Wow, that's reassuring to hear, isn't it? Forty-eight hours. That's yeah, that's that. That's amazing. Um, okay, so that's that's the first thing. Focus. 
well, and before we finish, I'll just just quick thought exercise. Imagine somebody had a great attitude, great stamina. Stamina means that they're slept well, they're fed well. The the world that you operate in, right? Yeah. They're they've got great health and they've got great time management, but their focus is completely shot to hell. Mm-hmm. Right? Is this person going to be able to be a master of time management in the classic sense that we think? And the answer is clearly not. Right? So, so it really is a precondition. You cannot have time mastery unless you have focus. Mm-hmm. And if you have all of the other elements of time mastery but not focus, you will not experience time mastery. So, so that's the, I, I'm just going to go through as we're going through the rest of the quadrants. I just want to sort of illustrate that you could have two out of the four and still not have it, or three out of the four and still not have it. It really is a function of getting the alloy right, right, of yeah. unlocking all four of those combination locks so you can pop the lock open. Mm, okay, great stuff. Shall we move over to Let's, to attitude? Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, attitude is such an obvious one, and yet. It's completely obvious, and yet nobody really associates it with time management, right? I mean, think about it. You know, I'm sure you've had people who were – have you noticed those people in, in an office environment or work environment, and they're, they're wicked smart. They're super talented, right? Um, but they keep getting passed over for a job, and nobody really wants to work on projects with them. They're just negative, they're negative. They've got a negative mindset. Nobody really wants to be around them. Nobody really wants to work with them. Maybe they even, th- you know, maybe their self-assessment that they are the smartest person in the room shows, and nobody wants to be around them because they they're arrogant, right? Mm-hmm. And so they've got this really negative attitude. And these kinds of people can be really bitter because they'll look around and say, "I'm so smart. Mm-hmm. Why am I not getting ahead? Mm-hmm. Why does why do people not want to do projects? Why is nobody listening to me?" It's because they've got a really terrible attitude, right? And so, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that when you really think about all of the attitudes, and we could spend this whole time talking about all the different flavors of attitudes, it really comes down to two, ownership or victimhood, Hmm. right? Either I own what's happening right now, Mm -hmm. and I'm the source of every result in my life, good or bad, right? Or I'm a victim, and therefore I can blame somebody else. Mm -hmm. And this might not be popular, but I'm I'm just going to go here and just... And, and really show my cards. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe that as a culture, we're freebasing on victimhood. Hmm. Freebasing on victimhood because the most addictive thing in the world is to be right, to feel right. We must feel right. Our whole internal programming demands that we be the good guy in our story, mm-hmm. right? And so that's but – but what's happened in the last 10, 15 years is that it's accelerated as Facebook and media and tribalism has fed into us that we are victimized they, it, because the people have realized that we want – that we will click on those stories and that we will engage in that in that yeah. dialogue and we will listen to those news editorials that tell us that we are victimized, that tell us that, that we have been wronged, right? Mm-hmm. Because it gives us our core number one need, which is not – people think number one need is to be loved. It's not. People think it's to be – to belong. It's not. It's to be right. Okay. And so – and I can prove that to you right now. Go on. <laughs> you see people who love each other all the time getting divorced, right? They just – they love each other. But they, they – being right was more important than being together, right? They were not able – it was not – it was not – it was not an option for them to say, I'm going to yield being right so that I can remain being loved, mm-hmm. right? And, and this, is, this is something we see time and again. So here's what, I'm, here's what I'm trying to entertain with this attitude is that if you really want to boil all of the attitudes down to really sort of the original sin, right? 
The original sin attitude is choosing the path of victimhood over ownership. Because when you choose ownership, you're, you don't get to be right, but you get to have control. You get to have ownership. You get to make choices. You get to have options. When you choose victimhood, you have no choices, but you get, you get to be right. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So, yeah. Wow, we're getting marriage counselling in here for free as well. And, and uh, that I felt like, yeah, okay, that's me. So many times in my marriage, I just want to be the right one. So totally hold my hands up on that. So yeah, you're right, Demir. <laughs> Carry on. And what does this even have to do with you know time management, right? The truth of the matter is, is that if you've got, think about the quadrant. If you've got an incredible ability to focus and you're really well rested and really well fed and you've got good time management, but you've got a really, excuse my language, shitty attitude, mm-hmm. right? Just really terrible. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to get the quadrant? Are you going to be able to be effective and be, be effective with your time? No. You're going to be victim to anxiety, fear, procrastination, victimhood, right? The truth is, is this programming in here matters just as much as this programming right here, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If not more, you don't have to, I, I've seen like, I've worked with 70, 80 year old people who are like, I don't even want to use a computer. I'm like, great. You don't have to, you can use a notepad and be incredibly productive, right? Mm-hmm. As long as you've got a positive, proactive attitude of ownership. So yes, attitude does matter to your time management and because people associate it as not mattering it's it's probably i would say out of the four the one that isn't on people's radar that is really undermining the time management hmm. okay so th- let, let me give you a quick just real world example right you wake up in the morning um and you don't work on your attitude and so therefore you're feeling pissy and you're feeling negative and you're feeling in avoidance you're you're and now what happens starts to creep in is the what i call the four horsemen of of productivity fear anxiety self-sabotage procrastination okay. right mm-hmm. and so now you're starting to procrastinate what does that do to your time management it blows your whole day up, mm-hmm. right? You could have had a great plan for the day, but because you didn't work on attitude, because you weren't paying attention to that, it blows up your whole day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So just, we won't dwell on this, but what were the four horsemen so we can be aware of them? Fear, uh, fear yeah. anxiety, mm-hmm. self-sabotage, procrastination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you're in an anxious state, yeah, we can't be productive. When, yeah, yeah totally get it but you know and and ownership even goes to the ownership of your mindset right the truth is is that we know we live in this beautiful world where we we know and you can go online and google for 10 minutes and find incredible exercises like breathing and meditation and apps that are free that can get you into a state where where within 10 minutes it really it doesn't cost a lot it's not it's not it's not voodoo or, or or magic right anybody can have it and yet we just choose not to we say, I don't need that stuff. I don't need to modulate my attitude. I don't need to deal with my brain waves. You know, I'm just going to jump in here and I'll be fine. And we're not mm. fine. Mm. It's why I start every day with reading. So I'm Christian, so I read the Bible and the Bible says, renew your mind with God's word. And I find if I don't spend that time, if I can, yeah, like, sun, because negative thoughts can just creep in. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that analogy of like your mind is, I don't know whether it's completely accurate, but without doing anything weeds will grow <laughs> whereas you have to yeah, actively yeah. plant the flowers so i find if i don't wake up read my bible pray immediately i'm like all these worries and anxieties just come in naturally so yeah yeah 
Is. Absolutely. You know, and, and the truth is, is that, that biologically the brain, the brain is biased towards fear because fear keeps us alive. And so even as, as recently as 200 years ago, you know, a fear-based mentality was, was probably the, the best mentality, right? You should default towards avoidance fear, right? So a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear is a good thing. But we live in a world where that doesn't serve us anymore. Right, and our brain is going to need a couple million years to catch up, right? Probably. So, so the truth is, is that we're trying to get our brain to live in a time um, that it really wasn't well adapted for the way that our brain was created. Does that make sense? Kind of. So, so in well, I'll say I'll take one more stab at it and just say that that fear has been our friend for many, many years, okay. and fear is not our friend right now. And so very much like you were saying, if you don't want to live in a fear-based place, if you don't want to exist like that, you do have to put some kind of maintenance and work into weeding that garden yeah. and making sure that you you have some level of intention. You don't have to be Buddha every single day in front of the computer, even five minutes of just setting your day out right or taking a break. My wife um, has a stress-related illness, and she finds that if she just – she can work the same amount of hours, but if she just takes a five-minute break to do breathing, what happens is that breathing helps activate her parasympathetic nervous system okay. to reduce the overall signals and, and sort of um, – and the um, hormones of stress so that her body can continually sort of like – it's almost like a steam vent mm -hmm. where the breathing just like lets some of the steam out so that her body doesn't get to a point where it feels like we're, we're under attack. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Okay. Cool. Okay. That's focus, attitude. Now we're going to do stamina and time. So focus, F, attitude, A. Stamina – and I'll be quick about this one. It's just so it's – so, it's so obvious, right? Stamina is just, you know – are you rested? Are you well fed? Are you taking care of your body? Are you exercising? And this is such a dull one. Like everybody knows, of course, this is something that we should be dealing with. And then they don't. Mm -hmm. Everyone says, yes, of course, I should be getting enough sleep. But the number one thing when I do diagnostics with new clients that I start working with is that they're not getting enough <laughs> sleep. They're not dealing with their body. And this is a world that you live in um, very – and so you understand this very well. And yeah. But but I have to I have to call something out here. This is one of those things where, you know, when a smoker is smoking and you're like, you know, that's going to kill you. And they're like, yeah, I know. But then in the, se the same second, they're like, oh, but, you know, there was one guy who lived once to 110 and he smoked. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so what we will sign. There are we have this. Our brain has this insane ability to know the facts and then yet also emotionally tell ourselves that the facts don't apply to us. Yeah. We know that we need enough sleep. Mm -hmm. In order to perform, every single serious study shows that even shortchanging yourself by ten minutes or fifteen minutes, but over time that actually builds up, and then and and we actually see a result even from a small short change in sleep. And I'm dealing with clients all the time who are sleeping four or five hours. I mean, just mm -hmm. really underslept. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the funny thing is, the problem is not that people don't know this. Just like the problem with smoking is not that people don't know that they shouldn't smoke. Mm -hmm. They know. The problem is that they've somehow convinced themselves that they are the exception. Yeah. That they can get away with it, right? Yeah. That or or that or that the bill will be paid another day, mm -hmm. right? And so so you it's really a, this mindset I think. And I'm, I I want to ask you because I'm sure you've seen this. Mm -hmm. There's this mindset I think of like a farmer knows very well that if he farms out of out of land and mm -hmm two or three seasons and he's not regenerating the fertility of the soil, 
after the third or fourth season, just nothing will grow there anymore. I mean, just quite mm-hmm. simply, the, the plants won't even grow. So we know just inherently in, in other areas of the world that, that it's a closed system and to keep taking out, we need to put in. But somehow in our body, when it comes to our stamina, we just don't associate that. Have you seen this happening? Absolutely, absolutely. I think, yeah, two points I would say is firstly, when, with the, when you said about smoking, when I work with people who, yeah, smoke or, or they've got some kind of unhealthy habit, we all know that 95-year-old uncle that smoked all his life. And so they, we, we have a tendency to hold on. So, yeah, like you say, that one exception and that'll be us. <laughs> um, and also, yeah, stamina, health is very much a little and often sowing the seeds, watering daily. So we can expect to eat a hundred apples on day 365 of the year and reap all the benefits that those vitamins delivered daily in a small form um has from yeah having that apple a day so absolutely and i think i don't know because i've i've thought about this before in my life like why have we got that tendency to want to try and cram things and for me it's some of it was a process of trying to unlearn what i did at university which was very much yeah going for months not doing anything cramming pulling an all night all nighter and to be honest in that setting it kind of worked like you know i got great results so i've had to really unlearn that life isn't like that laura like you might be able to get away with that for three years at university but it's certainly not how health works and as you're saying productivity so yeah i'd agree yeah and everybody knows it's like you know you know can you can you not sleep for three months and then sleep for a week no it doesn't work like Mm -hmm. that and yet we're all trying to play that game so so just just going through the, the framework, imagine somebody who has incredible focus, who has a really positive, engaged attitude, right? And who's got great time master, time management techniques and technologies, but they're massively underslept, they're undernourished, they're overweight, you know, they're dealing with like, and, and now it's starting to pile up and they're getting health issues. Is this person ever going to be truly able to have amazing time management? Mm. No. Right, because because that one sort of combination on the lock will not open, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so, so this is something that I really want to focus. Is it's so clear, it's so easy to understand. People know what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be eating right, sleeping, exercising, and yet they're not making that time because they genuinely don't believe that this is a factor in amazing performance. And yet, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think also it's the case that? you know, if I, if I miss a day today, if I don't eat that apple today, is it really going to make a difference? Do you think that yes. we don't see the results? We don't see these big enough results quick enough. Is that a factor? Do you think? Yeah, I think, I think we have this thing, you know, and human beings have this, um, human beings have this in, in spades, which is this, if we don't see a result, a negative or a positive result immediately, we tend to just sort of not associate the result. Right. Mm-hmm. So with smoking, you know, I'm not dying tomorrow and I'm not dying today and it's not yeah. hurting me today. If in fact it feels good today. Mm-hmm. And so so we're getting this by say shortchanging ourselves on work, we're getting a small sort of positive signal from our brain, which is we're we're giving ourselves credit, like, Oh yeah, you're working hard, you're really getting after it today, you know, you're getting up and you're only af-. and so we, we tend to have all of these really unhelpful positive associations with with body abuse. 
yeah, you really – oh, you only slept five hours. You must be such a great worker. You mm-hmm. know, you must really love your job or really be dedicated or focused. And we, we even – I don't know about you in the UK, but in New York, we used to brag about this stuff all the time. You know, we'd mm-hmm. go to the bar. Oh, I worked 80 hours this week. Oh, you know, I barely slept at all or, you know, mm-hmm. I worked, worked straight through the weekend, didn't take any breaks. And, and although you're complaining about it, you're also sort of bragging about it, right? Because yeah. you're giving yourself a little bit of like uh, credit around it. Yeah. And that's, that's really – you know, every serious study, and I, I'd be happy to go into this, but I don't, I don't want to take the time. Every serious study shows that after the 40 to 50 hour mark in manual labor, say like putting together widgets, your productivity goes down demonstrably to the point where when people are working 80 hours, they're really getting the same productivity as somebody who's working 50 hours or 40 hours, right? So they're, they're, they're working twice as much and, and getting half the productivity, right? Your productivity actually goes down. But here's the other thing. When, you're, when you get older, and when the nature of the work becomes more challenging, th- those hours go down too. So 50 hours is for somebody who's putting together widgets on a factory line. If you're actually doing creative projects and like using your brain in it, it that could be 30, 40 hours right, of, of real productivity. Programmers are proven to really only be able to get 30 to 35 hours of productivity because it's so intensive on their brain. They really can't just can't work that much more. right? Yeah. And so yeah. when you think about that, you realize it's like you could be working 60 hours a week and just genuinely, measurably, be getting as much done as somebody who's working 30 hours a week, who's rested. Wow. That's, yeah, that's so, I love that because, and I'm just thinking back to Cal Newport's book when he talks about deep work. I was surprised to learn that he says four hours is kind of the limit of total focus that we can aim for a day, um, even if we've been doing it for years and are well-practiced. So, yeah, yeah, and isn't that freeing to know, actually, that, you know to get our best work done to be most productive we can do that in 30 35 40 hours as opposed to yeah the 80 hours yeah. and we're, we're all here's the thing so i do and this actually segues really nicely into the last one which is time right which is really being in full ownership and management of your time right so so what's interesting is as an employer before i got into all the productivity stuff um, I would track all of my team's time and I was constantly angry at my team because I felt like they were ripping me off because I was seeing that they, even though they were sitting at their desk for eight hours, sometimes nine hours a day, I could see that they were only getting about four or five hours of, of real productivity in. And I felt like, as an employer, they're, they're stealing money from my pocket. They're, they're reaching into my pocket and stealing money because they're actively – I thought that they were trying to rip me off. Here was an interesting thing. I actually started tracking my own time mm-hmm. to see where my own time was going. I was only getting about five or six good hours. Now, I could I could do another three or four hours of what we call shallow work of like punching the keyboards and answering emails. But in terms of real productive work, I was really only getting, you know, four or five hours of work done. And the truth is, is that that is really the human limit, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, four or five good, productive, deep work hours is about all you can do in a day. You can sit at your desk and and send emails back and forth, or you can sit it sit through a meeting, but you're not truly going to be able to, you know, do a lot more than that four or five hours. So mm-hmm. the last one is T, mm-hmm. right? And that's time. Now, you know, for me, one of the things that we do, and you you've been in our Fast Time Mastery course, and one of the things that we have people do is we actually have them track their time for at least two weeks down to the half an hour increment and all their time, not just at work, in the evenings, in the weekends, we have them track every single period of time. How much are you sleeping? How much time are you spending showering and getting ready? We actually have them for two weeks track 
all of their time so they can really see where their time is going. How much time am I spending with my family, right? Because the funny thing is, is that we don't know where our time is going. Mm-hmm. And if there's one truth that I can share with you as a productivity coach, mm-hmm. it is that people think they know where something is and it's not. So let me, th- let me give you an example. We think we know how much money we spent last month on restaurants. And then we go and look at them and we're like, oh my God, it's so much more than I thought it was, right? Mm-hmm. We think we know how much, say for example, how many calories we ate last week. And then we look at how many calories we ate last week and it was like three times more. Mm-hmm. And we think, oh my goodness, you know, I must have forgotten about that pizza that I ate, you know, at Wednesday after midnight with my friends when I was having yeah. a drink, right? Yeah. You know, and so the truth is, is that our brain has this ability to make us feel like we know where something is mm-hmm. and we have no conscious idea and nowhere is that more true than with time mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a client named um margaret and margaret was a lawyer and she came to me and she said to i would love to work with you i need to work with you but i don't have any time i literally don't have one hour to work with you and i said mm-hmm. i doubt that that's true and she was like no it's true and i was like okay here's a challenge and i put her through this fast time mastery course i had to track her time for two weeks and she came back almost visibly upset <laughs> and she said Demir, I just tracked my time and I found out that I spend 11 hours a week on average, not total, but on average, I spend 11 hours a week reading the news. Hmm. So here's somebody who said, I don't have four hours to work with you in one of your boot camps yeah. and and actually had 11 hours. And if, if I told her in that moment, no, you have 11 hours, she probably would have been like, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. I know. But she didn't know. Because yeah. it actually, the truth is, is we don't really know where our resources are going until we're really tracking them. And so, you know, I guess sort of by way of conclusion with the time, we I like to think of my time tracker as sort of like my report card to God, hmm. right? I think about my life in weeks, and I want to be able to create a plan for the week down to the half an hour increment that says, here's where my time is going. It's almost like I'm offering it up to God and saying, God, thank you for another week of life. Here's what I'm going to do with it. And then as I go through that week, I'm actually tracking, am I actually using it that way? So that I have both, I have both sides of the coin. I get a great game plan for the coming week, Mm -hmm. but then I also have data on where it actually went. And it's just like financial tracking, Mm -hmm. right? We do a financial budget and we do an audit. The budget is to tell us where we want our money to go. And the audit tells us, where it actually went. And so that's T for time. Wow. Yeah, that that's amazing. Um, and you're, you're so right. I find the same with my clients with calories. People will come to me and say, I don't know why I'm putting on weight because I, and I say, well, how much are you eating? I hardly eat anything. And when I get them to do exactly that, track their calories for a couple of weeks and they're shocked. So yeah, yeah and yeah. That, that's great and I know I it was a painful experience for me when I started doing this with your spreadsheet because it is it's like oh man all this time that's just going out and and obviously I mean your client Margaret I'm sure she was aware obviously that she's reading the news but to actually be confronted with I thought it was only maybe two hours a week but 11 hours and so there there is a level of um correct me if I'm wrong but there's a level of um a little bit of pain initially but then the <laughs> the, the the reward later on it will will stand you up when for, for and life. i always tell people they really it, it, the only pain is ego pain that's true the, the truth is what you, where your time is going now and this last week and this last month and this last year is where it's been going yeah. right it's you're just finding out about it yeah. right and your ego is a little bit hurt 
Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so so like with your clients, they were eating that food. It's not like they all of a sudden ate all that that pizza in one in in one shot. No, they already ate the pizzas, yeah. right? They're yeah, just yeah. finding out about how much pizza they've been eating, <laughs> right? Yeah. So so the truth is is if you can relax a little bit and let your ego go, you can realize that that you're not learning about anything that hasn't happened. You're just mm. Your mind is getting matched up with reality, right? Yeah. Which means the good news is, is that you're no worse off. Mm-hmm. People can often feel that when they find out about where all their time is going, that somehow they're worse off. No, you're no worse off. And in fact, you're significantly better off mm-hmm. because now you have the tools to actually reallocate that time. Yeah. And 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 rebudget that time, and and you actually have that inclination. So for me, I I'm just like everybody else. I have my naughty little secrets and my little you know things that I spend my time on. And my thing is YouTube. <laughs> I love mm. YouTube. I love watching informational stuff. I'm I, infotainment is my addiction. Yeah. And so when I'm looking at my time tracker, you know, when I look and I see, oh my goodness, I spent four hours last week you know, on YouTube, right? And I think to myself, you know, Demir, you, you, you keep talking about this, you know, you want to have more hours for your book and here you are four or five hours on YouTube. That's four or five good hours that you could have been writing on your book. And now I'm actually feeling motivated. Like I actually have the internal intrinsic motivation to reallocate that time because I'm actually just seeing where your time is misallocated gives you the automatic intrinsic motivation to start reallocating it. Hmm. Amazing. Amazing. And also, um, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, two kind of broad attitudes of victimhood and and ownership. So it's 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 switching the sides, isn't it? So going from victim. So I'm not eating all that food. I don't know why I'm putting on weight. I don't know where my time's going to. Okay, yeah, we might take that ego blow for a short period of time. But as you say, that was really helpful, I think, to say that it's, it's nothing as we've not lost anything we've gained the insight and now we can act on it and and yeah for you you know knowing that in the back of my mind I'm spending five hours a week on YouTube like yeah we get to the point where it's like okay am I going to do something about it and we can also again correct me if I'm wrong but if you wanted to say do you know what I'm happy to spend that five hours on YouTube I'm budgeting that in we can do that as well can't we but but at least we're making a conscious choice now I'm choosing YouTube over getting my book done for now and it makes things very clear then doesn't it yeah and and I just want to leave people with sort of like you know we live in this think about this as a tidbit just something to take with you in your life we live in this personal development world where the abundance there's an obsession with the abundance mindset yeah. right you know being you know and 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 a a real critical negative uh, attitude towards the scarcity mindset mm. so you'll see you'll hear this all the time don't be in scarcity be in abundance don't be in scarcity be in abundance you know more you can always make more money there's always more love and sure there are categories in the world mm-hmm. where you where you can be in abundance mm-hmm. with love and with generosity and with you know and with uh you know with money even mm-hmm. but there's there are things in the world that are fixed and finite and for those the scarcity mindset is the best way to think about it. And so I want to bring back the scarcity mindset and let people know that it's not abundance mindset good all the time, scarcity mindset bad all the time. The truth is there's times and there's places and times where if you use the abundance mindset, you are going to really screw yourself over. And if you use the scarcity mindset, that's going to be the proper way. So think about this. People right now with their time are in the abundance mindset. 
right? They're just thinking, I'll just, you know what, it, it'll happen later. I'll, I'll get there. It'll get done, right? And that's what we do with our weeks. Yeah, it'll get done. And then at the end, as Friday comes along, it didn't get done. And now we're starting to freak out and we're feeling judgment. So we're working too late or we're working over the weekends to make it happen, right? Mm-hmm. The truth is, is there is not an abundance of time. You have 168 hours mm-hmm. every single week and there's no more. And you can't rent more and you can't make more and you can't wish for more. That's it. And so when something is fixed, you want to defend it. Mm-hmm. You want to allocate it preciously. You want to you want to make sure that you're getting the best return on how you allocate that precious resource. Mm-hmm. And so I want to sort of like, as that final sort of send off to everybody, just sort of say, listen, be in scarcity with your time. Like that is the right way. And when you're in scarcity with your time, ironically, you start to feel like you finally have abundance. That's the irony, mm-hmm. is that when you're acting in abundance with your time, you always feel like you're in scarcity, but when you're when you're operating from scarcity with your time, you finally get the sensation of abundance, mm-hmm. like an extra hour or feeling like you're done early. Mm. Yeah, I love that, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, you're so right. Dimit, I would love to ask you so much more, but I'm aware <laughs> that, that we've been, you know, we've had a lot of time here, so, um, just to say, I your fast time mastery course is amazing. Um, you've also got life oh, hack boot camp, haven't you? So I'd love for you to just give a little, um, you know, where we can find out more about that as well. But sure. before we go, is there anything else um, you want to leave us with? You know, uh, here's what I'll say about um, the course. I wanted to sort of like leave everybody here with a bit of a bonus. So we have a $500 course called the Fast Time Mastery Course that takes people through focus, attitude, stamina, time, and actually shows you specific tools, techniques, technologies you can use to dial each of those in and actually get to full-time mastery. And our guarantee is that people who take that course end up getting 10 hours back in their week when they really do the work and they get the discipline, right? Um, so that's a $500 course, but what I'll do today is we also have a focus and control time mastery membership. That's only $38 a month. Um, for anybody who joins from your community, uh, we'll go ahead and throw in the $500 course if they join the $38 per month membership. So again, for those people who join the membership for $38, they'll just get the $500 course. And so that'll be a little bonus to your community. Fantastic. Thank you, Demir. Yeah, I can highly recommend that. It's, it's great. So wonderful. All right, Demir. Well, thank you so much for, for your time and for such great tips and, and motivation. I feel like I immediately want to go away and rewatch the course and put in place some of the things that I might have lapsed on recently and to bring, yeah, to bring back the fun into, into work yeah, and some, life. Yeah, some ease, mm. some effortlessness. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I should have said too, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to us, you know, we're, my, my name's Demir, D-E-M-I-R, at lifehackbootcamp.com. That's Demir at lifehackbootcamp.com. Um, my wife is Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, at lifehackbootcamp.com. Feel free to email us if you guys have questions or problems or challenges where we're, we'd love to make ourselves available. And our website is lifehackbootcamp.com. And you can see videos and we've got a cool masterclass there. So we give away a lot of free stuff. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Demir. It's been a great Thank interview. Thank you. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for your time today. Absolutely. Bye, Laura. Bye-bye. Well, I don't know about you, but I thought that interview was excellent. Demir gave so much value there, so much great information. And so let's just quickly recap those four areas that are kind of like a combination lock, aren't they? We have to unlock all four in order to have true productivity, to be firing on all cylinders, as it were. So F for focus, A for attitude, S for stamina, and T for time. 
I'll leave a link in the show notes as to where you can find that framework and be able to download it. So if you go to laurarimmer.com forward slash EH033, that's where this week's show notes will be located. And just to say that I really appreciate you listening to this podcast. And if you like it, and if you're getting value from it, then please do share with just one person this week. It can really help get the word out. I do this stuff free, so it really helps me to produce more episodes if it's reaching new people each week. And also, if you're not subscribed yet, then do subscribe on iTunes so you get notified of new episodes each time they're available. And I'm going to leave you finally with a quote from the Bible. We talked all about time today, didn't we? So I'm going to read you a quote from 2 Peter 3, verses 8 to 9, which says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And the second verse about time is from Ecclesiastes, one of my favourite books in the Bible. And this is from chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. And you probably have heard this before. There's a famous bird song um, with reference to this. So it's, yeah, again, all about time. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have a great week ahead, and I'll speak to you again next week on another episode of Eternal Health. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Health Podcast. Go to laurarimmer.com to download your free Optimum Health Scorecard and find out your current health score, plus tips, coaching, and training on how to get slim, healed, and energized. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and we'll catch you next time on Eternal Health.